All right, howdy. Welcome back to Windly Mania, the greatest podcast you have never heard of, brought to you by possibly the greatest band you've never heard of. Although, I do want to touch on one of the greatest bands you may or may have not have heard of. But anyways, my name is the best in the world, Andrew Reidner. I'm alone in the storage unit. Um, We haven't put out an episode. We didn't put out one last week. And we were going to put out this uh, one this week, but uh, Dev and I were recording and we sounded very tired and we just stopped during it. Like, what do we do? <laughs> like, we, we had spent basically a whole like week driving a lot. Um, uh, last week, yeah, so I, we played two weekender shows, um, one in Sumter uh at coverage which was like essentially like a house but it was it wasn't it was a house but in the backyard there was a shed and um we played back there and it was all like fixed up to be like a nice big stage all the everyone sounded really good in there and uh it was just really hot but uh you know i like it hot some may say and i say so myself uh the next day we played at um Tuolingua in Charleston and we with a uh, Fallscape and a Brevity who are going to be here in Myrtle Beach where of course we are located out of uh, at Fresh Brood on May 12th they both did great jobs and they're going to do it again soon but we'll get all that stuff later anyways uh, I was driving that weekend um I drove around the coach, the big, the big boy, the big strong fella, and in my car, uh, I don't have a lot of luck with cars. <laughs> I don't know. It's sort of like I feel like there's a trope where the guy has the goldfish, but they always die, or like stuff like that. I'm, I'm sure in some sort of media there's something like that. I, I don't know. I've just always had like it's usually with tires, tires blow out. I don't know. I'm not a very mechanically savvy person when it comes to vehicles. And, uh, uh, again, the car, uh, stopped when I put gas in it and it wouldn't like work. So we were stuck at a gas station. I kind of was stressed out one night about this because I, there was a point where I still did not have my car. And I wrote on winleyhub.blogspot.com a little weekender fun part three thing where it's basically there's the two other parts include what I eat as well. It's just what I eat essentially and some of the other stuff that happens. And there's a little story about what happened when the car broke down. But the car is back in my possession. Um, It is uh, doing fine. I'm kind of scared to put more gas in it. (laughs) <laughs> I, I obviously will need to do that at some point because uh, cars, right? So I guess we'll see how that goes when I do that. But it was uh, essentially the uh, purge valve. Yes, that thing. Never heard, never heard of it until uh, last week. Um, and yeah, so we, but essentially we had to go to, Devin was very gracious to, uh, we only had to go to Charleston at one point to get our stuff back. And then we had to go again, uh, because of some, uh, mix up with the 
well, not a mix up. It was just, there was a car accident and we couldn't get to the place in time and they wouldn't answer my phone calls. So we got the car. Devin was really cool about doing that for me. Um, and, uh, and then literally the next day I went to, uh, Greenville, which of course listeners of the show will know Greenville is the farthest place away from any like civilization ever. No matter where you are, Greenville is so super far away and it sucks because Greenville's pretty cool. They got a lot going on there and we played a few shows there and it's always really fun. And I know they have like this bubbling, like hardcore scene that seems really, really cool. Um, and a lot of those bands, I believe, is your spirit dies from Greenville? I don't know. I forget. I know Reviler was. They're really cool. But there's going to be, there's the you know, the big hardcore show that we're on. We're not really a hardcore band, but uh, I guess there's like metal too. I, we'll talk about all that stuff later. The uh, Myrtle Beach shows. Follow at Myrtle Beach shows on Instagram. But uh, but I was in Greenville. I went with my uh, my lovely family, the the the, the three uh, amigos. I don't know my my mother, my aunt, my cousin to uh, the Peace Center to watch To Kill a Mockingbird, and um, I didn't I I didn't would I wouldn't really have any like interest in the play. I, I think the the movie's fine. I think I, I had to read the book. I had to read the book in um school at one point but uh Aaron Sorkin of the uh he's a writer he does, he's done you know the West Wing I love that show and uh some other stuff but um he like rewrote like a new adaption like I don't think it's like changed completely it's just a little more I guess Sorkin-y and if you know what that is then that's what it is but uh, Richard Thomas, famously of the Waltons, who he played John Boy. I think he was the first Walton to go to college in the show. Richard Thomas, the actor, played uh, the main character, Atticus Finch. So that was cool. Um, he's also in my favorite uh, rendition of All Quiet on the Western Front. It was like a 70s TV movie version. There's, I think there's five of those like versions out there. I know Netflix put out one recently, but I have not watched it yet. Um, but seek out the Richard Thomas All Quiet on the Western, Western Front. Uh, very haunting. Haunting indeed. So it's been quite a week. We haven't really, uh, we haven't talked. We haven't at all. Um, I felt inspired today. I don't know why. I just did. Um, next week, we're going to be talking uh, about a comic book related topic. Um, so I was thinking about comic books and I was thinking about how I was going to approach this and. I have no notes today either, so I know I'm a, a rambly man, and I ramble, much like the song Ramble On, that is uh, who I am when I become a uh, host on stuff. Anyways, uh, we're doing a comic book-related topic next week, 
and it had me thinking like about how I was going to tackle it in, in a sense. So like I was probably going to start off with the vague and broad, Hey Devin, what's your relationship with comics? And then I was going to take a crack at it and I was going to be there probably for f- several hours and just ramble and ramble and ramble. And, and it just seemed like a lot. So maybe we'll, we'll, we'll just bypass that. But I do want to talk to, um, talk about, just some books I've been reading. I, I guess I'll just get to that later. If any, I, I just grabbed some books from home that have come out this year, and they're all uh, there. There's three different things about them. Well, yeah, pretty much um, stylistically, I guess. And then one of them has like a mesh of the two stylistic choices that can be found in comic books. So I just wanted to talk about that, but I'll, I'll get to that later. But first, first, this morning there was exciting news um, that I saw scrolling on the uh, on the social media while on the toilet, as you do. Um, Marvelous three, one of uh, mine and man's best friend. Favorite bands is playing a reunion show uh, in all October, October, late October in Atlanta, where they're from. And uh, it's very exciting. If you don't know who Marvelous 3 is, um, it you, sh- you sh- maybe maybe uh, you should look them up. But I'll enlighten you a little bit. Um, around uh, Devin and I were either in eighth or ninth grade. Um, I can't remember exactly, but his uncle used to drive us around and his uncle was basically like with anyone with like older siblings, like you kind of get some of that like osmosis of like pop culture things from them in a certain way. Like, you know, when I was growing up, the, I had like, my, my stepsister and my cousin who they were a little older than me. So they were, I was basically getting things from them because they kind of had more knowledge how to access these cool things. And so I would, you know, you, you get osmosis from it and, uh, you know, you, 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 you suck up all this, uh, knowledge and, and, and stuff like that. So, uh, Devin's uncle was definitely a guy for that when it came to music. I mean, he was pretty much our gateway into a lot of punk rock, uh, like Descendants and Bad Religion and all that sort of stuff. And I remember uh, he would when he would drive us around, um, basically like picking me up from school or whatever. And uh, I usually go to Devin's house or go straight home. It, it's just or going to shows. We would go to a lot of shows with Ryan too. Um, but uh, he would usually have just like one CD at a time in his car and it would play for several, several months. It would be the same CD. And uh, I mean, that's what I did too when I started driving. And um, I'm sure that's like, I don't know. I don't know how what, what people's CD habits look like, but that's that's how 
his uncle and my CD habits were uh, just having the one CD and being like, yep, I'm going to listen to these 12 songs for the whole summer or, you know, whatever. Um, but he would like, so I remember like, uh, unwritten law. Uh, I think, um, what's the, what's the one album? Is it Elva part two? It's the one with like, you know, celebration and, uh, I always get the unwritten law albums mixed up, but unwritten law was one. Um, I remember cool to be you was one when bad religion, when uh, true North came out, I remember that was one, uh, just, uh, I think Let the Dominoes Fall by Rancid was uh, one that was in there a lot. But I remember one time he was just like, he was going to change it up. And he was like, I don't know if you guys will like this band. They're not like, they're not like punk rock and they're not, um, you know, super aggressive in any way. But it was Marvelous 3 and it was the, uh, I think it was the Hey album, which was their second album. They only put out three albums. And, this was, I know it was my first time hearing it, and I think it might have been Devin's first time hearing it too. It was very infectious, just power pop. And it really, really just like sunk in. Like it, it, it was hypnotizing in a way. <laughs> I don't know. It was just like, it didn't really matter that it wasn't like, oh, this isn't like super fast. It has like, you know, like kind of like aggressive vocals and, and, and just nothing but like rambunctious guitar parts. It's just these like super, uh, sugary and very snarky, um, power pop. And I, I love that album. They have, uh, so the main guy in, um, the air had to come on. Isn't that great? The main guy is Butch Walker who Butch Walker is, he he's done a lot of songwriting and producing for more especially the past like 20 years essentially for like pop artists like Avril Lavigne uh, and Pink he's done stuff with Weezer he's done a lot he, his credits are pretty insane and he's helped write like or has just solely written uh, like huge ginormous uh, pop songs I think Taylor Swift was another one he worked with um, he has a really great book called Drinking with Strangers that I highly, highly recommend. Um, and it's just basically his career and then working and his, sort of his thoughts on uh, someone who is a producer and songwriter in like modern, uh, the modern music industry. But he was um, originally in a band. They were like a glam hair metal band called South Gang. And I think think they were about to get signed to metal blades or something i could be wrong um and then um that fell apart and it really just he took it was him and uh jace fincher and mitch mcclee i think (laughs) it's the other two guys okay sorry um they uh shifted and started uh this other band called the floyds and butch walker and one of the guy's wife uh, wives would uh, it's just his one wife. He wasn't doing like the, the 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 Caleb or whatever the guy's name is, Cody Brown. He wasn't doing the Cody Brown gimmick, okay? Which is his one wife who would also sing alongside Butch Walker and the Floyds. And that was that was when it was starting to be more uh, power pop. It almost was like 
I think that was 1996 that one album came out and it has like a really like funky flair to it um I guess like the best comp I could make is maybe the spin doctors with the uh one two but it wasn't that uh poppy like it's poppy but there is like definitely a like literally just like a sneering snark to it just sort of like a self-awareness to a lot of uh butch walker's stuff um and then that trio uh without the wife they would start marvelous three which is was a little more straightforward rock and roll power pop and they had math and other problems and then the hay album and ready sex go and those three albums are really, really great, and they're all different in um, in a certain way. It sort of progresses into, like, I, I feel like Math and Other Problems is a little more, uh, a little more raw and, and stuff. And then when you, by the time you get to Ready, Sex, Go, this is, like, huge arena-type thing going on. Like, uh, I think, you know, there's literally a cigarette lighter love song, uh, there you go. That's like a huge, big song. Um, but I, you know, we, uh, the three of us, especially, I mean, Ryan's been following them. You know, they, he saw them on their like original tours and stuff. They haven't played a, a show since like, well, I think the last show was 2001. And then they had like a little mini reunion at a, one of Butch Walker's show, I think. Um, but we all really love that band. And, um, I, I think the goal is to try to go see them. But really, I mean, it's it might not be for you, but I would really highly recommend just checking it out, like Marvelous 3 and then, you know, the other stuff too. I mean, uh, the Floyds is really fun. I don't know if, like, the the Floyds is on, like, any streaming services or anything. You can probably find some stuff on YouTube. All the Marvelous 3 stuff is on Spotify. It's only three albums, really. Check it out. And then Butch Walker's solo stuff is really, really fun and interesting too. Um, the first, his first solo album, uh, Left of Self Centered, is again sort of an extension of what Marvelous Three was. So it's very much poppy, snarky, really loud too, and uh, catchy as fuck. So, and then he sort of goes on more an alternative route. Like, uh, there's really, I, I like Sycamore Meadows a lot and Letters. There's sort of, um, what's the, the, the rise and fall of Butch Walker and the Let's Go Out Tonight. That's another, that's like a really fun, like party sort of rock and roll, a little bluesy in a sense too. Um, hope I'm correct in saying that, but kind, I, I kind of, it's, it's sort of like a garagey sort of, uh, feel in that. Um, we did go see Butch Walker Oh, man. I don't remember when. It was probably five years ago. It was around the same time as he has an album called Stay Gold that came out. And that that Stay Gold album was very much a, like, it felt like a love letter sort of to Bruce Springsteen. Um, But I I, kind of like some of the songs. I wasn't feeling it completely. Um but he was touring with that album and I guess that band who played on it. Um, and uh, that was a really, really fun show. I mean, even just him doing solo stuff is just super big and energetic. And 
I'm excited because this show uh, with the Marvels 3 is at the Tabernacle, and I absolutely love that venue. I've only been there once so far, and I'm, I'm going again uh, in a few weeks it's for the same band, Coheed and Cambria. And um, I, that's a really awesome looking venue. There's like, that's, uh, I, I guess maybe that, that, that first time sitting in the balcony kind of heightened the experience because it was like you're sitting down, you got a clear, great sight line of everything, and just uh, their stage looked really cool and it sounded really great too. So, really looking forward to that. Hopefully, we can, uh, we can uh, get some uh, tickets to go to that. So, check it out check out the butch walker check out the marvelous three um really fun stuff it might not be for you just because it's very very it could come across like super like saturated like pop uh i don't i don't know what each of you know each of you guys is like palette is for music really i i don't i don't, I don't know but it's really really great stuff too even if you want to look at it at like maybe a production if you like recording i think uh hey hey album is just absolutely perfectly executed as far as like what they were going for sonically i think it all sounds really really great so yeah marvelous three um what do i i think i'll do shows at the end i'm gonna pivot sort of awkwardly pivot into uh, some of these comic books I've been reading. Um, again, next week, it is a comic book-related uh, topic. Um, but uh, I kind of wanted just to talk about three books that have come out this year that I've been uh, reading and enjoying. But before that, I really, really need a swig of this Coke Zero. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everyone okay? Sorry, no notes either. No notes, just fucking going. Just going because I felt like it. All right, so I'm reading three different books right now. Um, I like comic books a lot. Uh, I, I think I was first sort of introduced to like the idea, <laughs> I guess, uh, I, I would read the funnies in the paper. A lot of Garfield and... Um, Uh, family Circus and uh, God, I can't. I, it's blanking on a bunch of stuff right now. Great, isn't that awesome? But uh, I, I would go. I was really obsessed with Batman when I was a kid, uh, young, small child. Um, I think the the un, oncoming Nolan movies really helped that. Um, but I really liked uh, the animated series and. I would, uh, you know, the the previous four movies that had come out, I loved those a lot. Um, so, and, and eventually I, I went to my local library and picked up uh, Batman Hush, uh, Jeff Loeb, and the returning uh, Jim Lee, who had, at that time, wasn't drawing anything for like three years or something. But he returned with Batman Hush. And that was a little, like, I had a lot of solid knowledge about Batman, I guess, at that time. But this was, you know, if you've read 
Batman Hush. It's it was a it was a little um, not really what I was expecting. Um, I still like that story a lot, and you know it was like one of, like the first Batman I read, and um, I think after that was Year One, so that was more of a little more of like you know a little more grounded, I I guess, and what I was kind of expecting to it. Uh, to this whole Batman thing, and I don't know the comic book thing. Just sort of, uh, I would just get trade paperbacks for like Christmas and birthdays, and then eventually, I figured out you know comic book stores. I can just go to comic book stores. Um, sometimes I would uh, maybe maybe I skipped school once or twice to go pick up a comic book, <laughs> and uh, you know I'll try to go on Wednesdays and stuff, pick up new books. Um, and uh, we got some right now. I'm, uh, the first one I want to talk about is uh, a book called No One. is put out by uh, these two image books and then one uh, Marvel book that I wanted to talk about. So this is No One. Um, it is being co-two writers. Uh, uh, how do I pronounce that name? Brian Busolato, I think is how you pronounce it. I've never watched an interview with him, but he's done a lot of like... Like, I only say never watch an interview with him because, like, I feel like that's where he would probably uh, pronounce his name correctly. But he has done, um, his big thing was uh, when they launched a new 52 with uh, the, he was on the Flash book with um, Francis uh, Manipal. And I think they were, Francis Manipal was also the artist on that book. And then they went to do a, that same team did Detective Comics. They had like this, um, the Icarus storyline. I don't know if anyone remembers that, but it was like, I see that cover all the time. The yellow cover of Detective Comics. That was them. The other writer on this book is uh, Kyle Higgins, which I'll get to. But uh, the artist and no one is um, Geraldo Dorges who I am not super familiar with. I think he did some Nightwing last year. Again, um, not a lot of notes. I literally just have, I don't know if you can hear that, like just I have like the actual books with me. Um, so not super familiar with him. However, Kyle Higgins, the other writer, um, he, I think his most like, before all the stuff that he's doing now, which is uh, pun absolutely intended, massive. Uh, he's he did a like a three to four year run on Mighty Morphin Power Rangers when Boom Studios put that out. I have never read those books. Maybe at some point I will because I really like the Kyle Higgins. Um, but Kyle Higgins also he did this book. When did this come out? Twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty. It was uh, Radiant Black, which Radiant Black, and then it spun off, and now it's this thing called the Massive Verse. Um, so you have like other spinoff books like uh, Rogue Sun, Radiant Red, Radiant Pink. Uh, I think there's another book called Massive Verse. Um, but Radiant Black, if you want, to, like I highly recommend just checking out Radiant Black, and if you feel comfortable getting into the whole uh mess of the it's not a mess at all it's actually there's the the ideas are very clear and uh easy to understand so but it's just you know there's you know it's a lot of books so 
Radiant Black is really, really fun, though. Uh, you, it's almost like a lot of people call it like if you're familiar with the book Invincible by Robert Kirkman, which now has the uh, the Amazon Prime animated show. Um, a lot of people kind of like are like, yeah, this is this decade's Invincible just because it's sort of like. The, 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 with the relatable characters and sort of like these big twists and ideas as far as superpowers go. Uh, the main character, you kind of like, I find him very relatable. He's just a guy who is really down on his luck. Not, I'm not down on my luck or anything, but I'm just saying like, he's, he wants to be a, he wants to be a writer, but he, he, doesn't realize that the only problem between him and his writing is himself. He he doesn't apply himself that well. And I feel like a lot of people can probably relate to a situation like that. Like, well, I'm trying to like achieve this one thing and I don't know what the, like everyone's trying to like, you know, they're being supportive, but it's just like, I find their support annoying in a way, like his relationship with his dad, who his dad is like, you know, you can cra- you can stay here with us while you still figure things out, but you have to get a job. And he's just sort of like, yeah, of course, I know I have to get a job, duh. And it's sort of like that sort of tension with it in a way. Hopefully I'm kind of conveying that clearly. But um, yeah, it's a really, I, I think a really, really fun book and, you know, a, a really good take on, you know, superpowers and what to do with them and and, uh, you know, conversations about sort of like generational, uh, tension and issues that, you know, has been a thing forever. I mean, like, you know, don't trust anyone over 30 or 40 or whatever. So, but, uh, this book, no one apparently takes place in the massive verse, uh, which is, you know, in line with radiant black and all these other uh, stories. Um, it is essentially about, it takes place in Pittsburgh and there was a, uh, a serial killer sort of, uh, he would go by Richard Rowe and it was dubbed the accountability, uh, murders. So this guy was basically doxing people and then murdering him or murdering them. And it, there was an attempt on a senator's life and that failed. And then eventually they caught the guy and, uh, it's, and, uh, that, that fella turned out to be the son of the, not the chief, but like the, <laughs> what was his position again? The assistant chief of operations of the Pittsburgh police. So that's the, that's the guy who they think did all this bad stuff. And it's sort of like this very dense murder mystery. And now there is a fake or a copycat killer of the Richard Rowe thing who's doing the same thing, sort of doxing people and then hunting them down. down. And uh, they're trying to, it's like they're trying to figure out who it is. And it's very much a, the term I guess would be called talking heads. Talking heads. And by that I mean... Not a lot of action, but people kind of just 
talking. Like I'm flipping through this book right now, and it is the uh, the character uh, Aaron, and uh, who who was the uh, who they thought was Richard Rowe, or was basically confirmed as Richard Rowe, and his dad Ben, who was the uh, vice chief of operations for the Pittsburgh police. So it's a lot of talking like back and forth and almost kind of feels like a, uh, could be a show in a sense, like on HBO or whatever. There is some like really cool action, uh, shots though with, uh, you got the, but this guy, he goes by no one essentially. And he's like a vigilante. He's got like a, like a silver mask with a blue orb. There's still a lot of mystery to be unraveled, but, um, I would definitely uh, uh, recommend checking it out. It is it's it's pretty nifty if you are more comfortable with like sort of like the talking head sort of style, and it's also super super dense. So I mean, I'm flipping through it. There is a podcast that goes along with this uh, comic book. It's called Who Is No One, and it's an in-universe podcast where and these characters are in the comic book. Um, you have uh, Julia Page, who is like a reporter uh, for what's that? This, the uh, the Drop. What's the name? Oh, Edge. What's the name of the uh, newspaper? I always forget. I think it's the the Drop is like part of the newspaper. I don't know why I was. I, I just forgot the name of the newspaper. Oh well. But uh, the Julia's a reporter. She was like a sports reporter, but she like has done like sort of investigative reporting. So she hosts a podcast with her editor, Teddy, who's voiced by Patton Oswald on the podcast. And they sort of like really like uh, break down everything that's going on, all the, the murders that happened, all the, uh, all the stuff that's going on basically after the comic book, like kind of like collecting all the new stuff that happened. There's a bunch of uh, Wikipedia articles, like in the back of issue two, there's like a mock uh, <laughs> Wikipedia article for Ben Kern, um, Noahpedia, interesting. And there's like fake websites or mock w- websites with like articles written by Julia and stuff like that. But yeah, I think it's really cool and it's like super dense. If you're into this sort of style, if you want a bunch of lore, I know like, <clears throat> I know like true crime is like a super popular thing right now. So maybe even if you like true crime, you should get this comic book and then listen to the podcast because it is produced basically like a true crime podcast, very somber, uh, quiet piano playing. But uh, this is sort of an, uh, uh, one version of like books I kind of enjoy. I I. I the talking head thing and it almost feels like a tv show sometimes i think it can come across uh a little boring just because like hey if i just like because comic books you know you can do whatever the fuck you want inside of them why would you just do like a regular tv show but i think like uh geraldo borgs or i think that's how you pronounce his last name i i I do like the, the the his style and his art and then when there are really cool like little action uh, sequences. There's a uh, one in uh, issue two where I think it's like one, two, three, four, five pages, four pages of these like three panels of the cops chasing no one. 
and then it ends sort of like on this like splash page of uh, them not knowing where he went. So no one uh, uh, criminals, crime, vigilante, mystery. <coughs> check out that, but definitely check out Radiant Black. If Radiant Black number one came out this year, I'd definitely be talking about that. But no one is connected to it somehow. I'm interested to see how. Okay, let me take a swig. Okay. The next book I've been reading that has uh, come out um, this year, <coughs> started in January, is uh, Avengers. Of, Jesus Christ. The Avengers War Across Time. And this is, as no one was more of a talking heads thing with like a little bit of action, but a lot of just like heavy dialogue. Uh, the Avengers War Across Time is straight up an action book. It is basically a Silver Age action book. And I like a lot of the stuff from the 70s, which would be more so the Bronze Age, which is a really good mix of like ridiculous action and sort of like soap opera tendencies with like relationships and whatnot. But this is uh, Avengers War Across Time. And it is written by Paul Levitz. Now, the Avengers, of course, a Marvel property. Paul Levitz, for a long time, was a writer at DC and eventually was president and publisher at DC for, I think, like eight years. <coughs> and he had a really, really fantastic run on the Legion of Superheroes and towards I think the end of his run or the towards the like the the part where the time where Legion of Superheroes excuse me that Coke Z man it, it's really kicking my ass the time where Legion of the Superheroes changed tonally and became a little more darker right before that there was this great Paul Levitz and Keith Giffen they did their the Great Darkness saga, which is like just shrouds the characters in darkness and in mystery, and then it's got this big twist ending at the end. It's really really fun. I would I would you know suggest seeking that out. Uh, the Great Darkness saga. I think it's Legion of Superheroes two ninety to two ninety four. No notes. No notes. But um, uh, Paul Levitz, uh. I talked to him one time, kind of. Um, when I was a kid, I wrote, uh, I think I was 10 years old, I wrote a, I had to do something for school, <clears throat> and I wrote, uh, 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 I had to do like a business letter, and I wrote to Paul Levitz. Um, I was 10 years old, and I really liked Batman. Batman was at DC. I didn't know anything about like creators or whatever. I, I The closest thing I knew was like Jim Lee, like I was really like into Jim Lee and uh, you know, Frank Miller, but <laughs> I, 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 I just wrote, I was like, all right, who's in charge? Basically. I was like, who the fuck's in charge of this thing? I was like, okay, Paul Levitz. So I wrote a letter to him when I was 10 years old and he wrote back. Uh, I don't have that letter on me, but it was, um, if you know anything about Paul Levitz, like it was a little, a little snarky, a little snarky, but you know, 
it's still pretty cool that he wrote back. Um, and then the art in this Avengers War Cross Time is uh, Alan Davis. And Alan Davis has been around since the 70s, much like Paul Levitz. Um, he was brought on to do uh, for Marvel. Uh, they launched their Marvel UK uh, 1971, 1972, and then they had that line, Marvel Superheroes, and he was the one who basically uh, revamped uh, Captain Britain. And then eventually, uh, when X-Men started uh, spinning off, Chris Claremont had his Excalibur, Excalibur book, and that's uh, Alan Davis did a really, I think about like a three, is it three years, four years? of Excalibur with Chris Claremont. And that includes Captain Britain and his partner slash lover, uh, Megan and, uh, Kitty Pride Nightcrawler. Who else was in it? I haven't read Excalibur in a minute. Uh, Rachel Summers, who, how could I forget Rachel Summers? The, uh, an alternative timeline where Scott Summers and Jean Grey had a child, you see. And, uh, but yeah, this Avengers War Across Time book is literally, I think it's really, really, really fun. It actually takes place, um, in, uh, after it takes place right after, if you go back to the 1960s, it takes place after Avengers number 11, written by Stan Lee and, uh, art by Don Heck. So, and in Avengers 11 essentially was like Iron Man was missing. So the rest of the Avengers were like, oh, he's just on a leave of absence, whatever. Um, and then in the 30th century, uh, Kang the Conqueror was like, you know, the Avengers already kind of like defeated him. But then he was like, all right, uh, they are down a man. I think I will uh, do something about that. So his plan was to make a robotic version of Spider-Man who he saw and was like, hey, this Spider-Man guy kicks ass. And Spider-Man was in the Avengers at the time. So he makes this robot Spider-Man, sends him back to the past. And that robot Spider-Man wants to join the Avengers. And he's like, hey, can I join your team? I'll, I'll help you find Iron Man. I know where he is. And they're like, all right, sure. So they go down to this temple in Mexico and it turns out it's just like a booby trap. And then that's when the robot Spider-Man attacks the Avengers. And then the real Spider-Man comes in and uh, saves them. So it picks up right after that. And they're flying back to Manhattan. Uh, Thor has uh, basically, he's wounded up his hammer to make them fly fly or teleport all the way back to Manhattan. So it's uh, Thor. Uh, where's the number one? Thor, Captain America, uh, Giant Man, and the Wasp. Um, and they're, back in, they're back in Manhattan. They're celebrating. And then Kang sends back another uh, robot, this time in the, uh, the form of the Hulk. And there's a great sequence of him just beating ass and tearing up the city. Uh, he, he, where's that splash page? It's a really awesome splash page with, um, well, I can't find it, 
but um, it's the Hulk like walking out. He just took down Giant Man, and he's uh, walking uh, towards Captain America, being like kind of like cradled by uh, Captain. There it is by uh, uh, Rick Jones. Giant Man's down. He looks just absolutely terrifying, and he's about to fuck shit up. He's about to fuck up Rick Jones' day, and <clears throat> they eventually. Uh, you know, take down the robot Hulk. And I think they, I dropped a book. They essentially are going to go forward in time and beat King's ass. <laughs> and they, 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 they attempt using this time machine at the fantastic four tower. And, uh, Sindri, who is the King of the dwarves who, um, <clears throat> forged, uh, Thor's a uh, lovely hammer and um, he gets control of the hammer and then uh, he basically commands uh, a really a throwback to uh, some old stuff like since Avengers 5 that's right it's the uh, the lava men the lava men and uh, underground um, he controls them and then uh they got to like get the hammer back and they fight them. And then, uh, issue four has a lot of cool stuff of Kang. Just like he's about to fuck shit, shit up. He's in the future. Just kind of getting mad, searching for an artifact that will in fact, uh, destroy the Avengers. And really, really, if, if you like sort of more action paced, stuff I, this is definitely a huge tribute to that even even in the writing the dialogue it's very much um a little bit of like cheesy like joking back and forth references to a lot of cool old stuff um but yeah mainly the art it's just alan davis really just going full bore jack kirby don heck and it just looks great and um, there's also a little cute little thing where the comics code used to be on, the, on um, old books saying like the book was approved by the comics code. Uh, it's approved by the Time Variance Authority, which I knew what that was and uh, stuff. But I, I actually recently watched Loki and I kind of was like, and seeing how they did it, I'm like, I wonder if how they did it in Loki is going to affect this book where... This is all speculation. I don't know if I'm spoiling anything. If these Avengers are, in fact, just variants, like they weren't supposed to, uh, you know, do all this stuff. And, uh, you know, the, the, the association with Kang and his association with the Time Variance Authority kind of seems like that's maybe where it's going. But... I really, really, really dig this book. And uh, I think I'm going to move on now. Again, Avengers War Across Time. <clears throat> now, the last book I have sort of has... Well, let me get a swig of Coke Z. Sorry. It's mid-sentence. <clears throat> the last book I have is also from Image. And this is very much a mashup of the two things. I was basically kind of like the two styles. So no one being 
this gritty TV show-esque talking heads sort of book. And then Avengers War Across Time being this action-packed, lots of fighting and uh, quippy dialogue and whatnot. Um, ooh, ooh, ooh. Hear that voice crack? This is, uh, this is Local Man. And it is co-written and co, uh, I guess, penciled inked. Who did the, uh, got a colorist on here? Philippe Subarero. So I guess, um, I don't know who's doing pencils and who's doing inking unless they respectively. Okay, I see. I didn't know if they were like collaborating, uh, collaborating more than that. But this is a local man created and written by Tony Fleck, Fleeks, and Tim Seeley. And it's a very interesting book because it's essentially two different stories in one. It is about a, uh, a guy named uh, Jack, uh, Jack Xavier, who was a former superhero named cross jack and he was part of a team called third gen and so you have i guess sort of the main story which is referred to as farmington um which is a little more it's a little you know it, it's it's kind of got that tv pilot sort of feel to it dark or not super dark it's a little lighthearted for uh, what it is, maybe not actually when I think about it, <laughs> it's, it's fun. It's really fun. It's, uh, but essentially, uh, Jack, uh, was a former superhero again named cross Jack and he is back in his hometown and literally everyone hates him and he has a lot of issues. He apparently did something super, uh, messed up while he was part of uh gin 13. And that's what the Farmington book is. And now, uh, one of his arch nemesis, nemeses, his main, I guess, villain that he had to deal with when he was on the supervillain team, um, has been murdered. And uh, he wants to solve it. However, uh, <laughs> his old team, Third Gen, has sued him and... And now they own the copyright, the cross Jack, and they own the copyright to Jack ever doing any superhero stuff again. So he cannot do anything heroic, solve problems, fight crime or anything. So he's just sort of going rogue to figure out this, uh, who killed this guy. So that's one half of the comic book. The other half, if you turn it over, it's, it's another cover and, it's the, I guess, referred to in the credits as the uh, Gen 13 uh, side of the issue. And it's basically Crossjack back when he was part of the team. Now, uh, Gen 13 is essentially a tongue-in-cheek sort of homage or uh, resembling like a lot of 90s uh, image comics. So you had teams like Youngblood. Youngblood is like the main uh team that basically this reminds me of maybe brigade i mean shadowhawks is on, shadowhawk is on the uh the cover of uh local man 2 the the gen 13 side which he was a part of brigade i think he was introduced in young blood so um 
uh, Jim Valentino did a lot of Shatterhawk. I think he made him. I'm not sure. Anyways, um, so it's 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 very bombastic and gaudy. If you ever look at like Rob Liefeld's Young Blood, <coughs> it is super super. Not a lot of story or eh, some story, but not a lot of like focus on like writing. But it's just like really big, huge crazy art and kind of like just a lot of crazy colors and sort of like grotesque like features on people um and that's what this is and they kind of have like a like a silly like they just like kind of like especially in this first one they just go and fucking murder this other team essentially like they absolutely just destroy the supervillain team, they're very, like, proud about it. But, like, this team, let's see, there's, like, um, Cutting Edge, one of the smartest guys to ever come out of Silicon Valley, but he turned down millions because being rich with vengeance is so much sweeter. Softcore, uh, and she's, like, a lady who's made of marble or something? Um, Softcore went from gyrating provocatively in music videos to heeding the call to action when an industrial accident coated her skin in impenetrable polymer. So, yeah. Air Raiders is a fun... Like, Air Raiders, hilarious. Uh, Air Raider was an Air Force pilot shot down by Russian MiGs who survived by fusing himself with his plane. <laughs> so he's, like, almost like Iron Man, but and he's got little, like, plane tails on his feet. Big Island... Big Island sacrificed himself to an angry volcano as a boy to save his village and was rewarded with alien cybernetic technology that gave him the power of the Earth's core itself. And then it's him smashing the bad guys. Aloha, motherfuckers. It's very just super over the top. Uh, yeah, so you get two sides. You get this talking head one, and then you get this really fun... Uh, you know, silly tribute to a lot of those big, uh, image, uh, team comics. So, and I, I, again, highly recommend this. I highly recommend each of those. I, did I talk about, um, the, uh, the people who worked on it? I don't remember if I did. Uh, I, I guess I could. The, the guy who does the Farmington one, which is basically, if you were to look at it, it's modern day is um, Tony Fleeks, who had, I'm not super familiar with a lot of his stuff, but I really like his style in this. It's really like interesting page layout for what essentially it kind of feels a little talking head-ish. Um, and I hope I'm not being super like uh, talking down on it, but I, I do like this art a lot. He worked on a book called Stray Dogs, um, which I'm not super familiar with. It came out last year. He's done a few other random things. There's nothing like, as far as I can tell, is like a super long run. Run. Um, Stray Dogs was described as Lady and the Tramp meets uh, Silence of the Lambs, if I remember correctly. So I might check that out. Um, and the guy who does the cross gen side the art is uh tim seeley and i recognize him mainly from gi joe he's done a lot of gi joe stuff i'm not like an avid gi joe fan however i do live with one a diehard gi joe fan shout out sean so i've read a good bit of just for fun to get you know 
just whatever uh, of his G.I. Joe stuff. He also had this one book called Hack uh, Slash. Hack Slash Slash, uh, I think is how you pronounce it. Um, but that was essentially like this um, like monster hunter book. This lady who kills like these, like they're called slashers, and they prey on vulnerable people and they go around killing them and uh they take care of that so those are just some random books i'm gonna put this out today tuesday i'm recording it basically early afternoon um and tomorrow is wednesday so i'm gonna go pick up some new comic books too uh, i think there's a new local man actually again those books no one uh avengers war across time which that trade i think is coming out that that the the series itself, I think, is wrapping up um, neck in May, so that trade will be out uh, by the end of the year, and then Local Man. So definitely, if uh, hopefully that wasn't like super indulgent of me to go on this little tirade with comics, but I just felt like sharing some cool stuff and uh, putting stuff out there and have uh, you know fun and. Next week, it's going to be a little comic book related uh, as well uh, with a um, a character who I admire, a writer who I really, really admire, and we're going to have fun with that. But right now, I need a zip of the Coke Z because I want to tell you about some other stuff too. That is, I know we do this podcast, but we're a band. And um, we're called Windley. <laughs> and there's a bunch of shows happening, and we're playing on two of them that I'm about to talk about. But Myrtle Beach Shows, if you follow at Myrtle Beach Shows on Instagram, or look them up on Facebook and Twitter, um, I wonder if he's ever going to do like a, or if they are going to do a, uh, like an email list type thing. That'd be interesting. Or like a community thing, you know that thing where you uh, text, you text it, and then you get text messages from uh, uh, whoever's trying to sell you crap. I think I'm on Tony Hawk's community list, so sometimes I'll get a text message from Tony Hawk. That's the only reason I got it because I thought that's really cool. Um, but uh, at Myrtle Beach shows, of course, a lot of fun stuff. There's a lot of fun uh, work being put into this. Those guys are really, really doing a fantastic job. Um, and if you're not in the Myrtle Beach area, uh, maybe you're in North Carolina or Georgia or Florida. Really, I mean, if you want to just come and hang out in Myrtle Beach and come out to one of these shows, it's a lot of fun. Last week, there was a cover show. And I didn't really have any expectations expectations for anything. I was just going to go have fun, listen to music. And that was really, really fun. There was... Uh, about 180 people packed into that fresh brood, which uh, it was really great. Sound everything sounded really good too, because when the rooms packed that tight, I think the, uh, you know the, the you know the sounds not bouncing off some of that concrete, so uh, sounds really good. So, anyways, uh, the next show that I can think of at the top of my head, or at least that's next on this flyer, is also at Fresh Brood May 12th, which I think is a Friday. I hope it is. But anyways, uh, Windley, that's us. Penalty Box, Fallscape, Brevity at Fresh Brewed Coffee House, $10, 8 p.m. 
really looking forward to that. We're also doing a run. So the next day we'll be in, uh, the 13th we'll be in Raleigh at school kids records with, um, false cape and penalty box and contact comfort at school kids records. And I really, really like conf- contact comfort a lot. This is, uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. And then the next day, the 14th in Virginia beach at scandals, which I've never been there. And I don't know the lineup on the top of my head, but if you're in Virginia beach or Raleigh, May 13th, May 14th, come, uh, come have some fun. May 20th at fresh brewed coffee house. <clears throat> uh, clean sweep is returning. They played a really, really great set, uh, back in, uh, January, I think at the brick house. Uh, Naomi and Ocala, who Ocala played on that covers night. And now they, I've only seen them as a duo, but now they're a full band and they sound really, really good. So I'm excited to hear their songs in the context of like a full band live. And that's at Fresh Brood, $10, 8pm. June 8th, Mall Tombstoner, Visions of Brutality, Narsera, a lot of metal. Narsera, if you didn't catch them at the gym show, they were fantastic. And uh, there's going to be an Arcadia Studios at 6.30 p.m., $10 as well, June 8th. June 16th, I'm really looking forward to this one as well. Bedlam Hour, uh, Brandy and the Butcher, Heavy for the Vintage, and of course, Circuit at uh, Fresh Brood. It's $10 at 7 p.m. on June 16th. And then June 17th, um, I guess all I can say as of right now is, you know, Go where you need to go to look up information about the show. Keep keep yourself updated. You can get a ticket on Eventbrite. Uh, they're only $20 right now, and they are going to sell out. I, I'm mostly sure they're probably going to sell out. Maybe not, though. Maybe, maybe uh, something happens to where, okay, now we can allow more tickets to be sold. Um, so... Windley, Turn of Forte, Hymns of Blasphemy, Graves of Valor, A Knife in the Dark, Your Spirit Dies, No Cure, Extortionist, My Children, My Bride, June 17th. It's going to be in Myrtle Beach, <laughs> and it starts at 4 p.m. And uh, again, do whatever you can. If you want to come to that show, uh, it's not... Uh, I, I, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that if you want to come to that show, I would recommend buying a ticket in advance. It makes things a lot easier and it's, um, it, it makes uh, Myrtle beach look good when we can do pre-sales really, really well. And that attracts, um, you know, some, uh, cool, cool bands to maybe be attracted by that. I, I don't know. I don't remember the theory about it, but it's good. You should do it. And uh, also follow at Myrtle Beach Shows to stay updated. If you want to go to that show, stay updated with it at Myrtle Beach Shows. And of course, all the bands. I'm sure will be uh, doing a good job showing off what's going on. So that is Winley Mania. Um, uh, hopefully it was uh, okay. It was fun. You know, I know I ramble a lot and, and I didn't have any notes or anything. I'm just sort of was wanting to talk because, you know, I like to do that, I guess. I wouldn't do this if I preferred being silent all the time. But anyways, uh, for more Windley crap, you got to follow at Windley underscore band uh, because that way you know what the hell's going on. 
Also, if you would like to, uh, it'd be really cool if you maybe checked out uh, windley.bigcartel.com. There's a you know a couple of our shirts on there, and uh, a pin, and I think Devin has a thing going on. If you put in Windley Maniac, it's free shipping or something. Um, I'm not sure, but there's some. There's the 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 Angelo did our uh, robot shirts. There's a black one and there's a white one. I think it's a really really awesome design. I commissioned it because I found Angelo through uh, an artist website and I really, really liked his crazy havoc inducing cartoon style. Um, and I really, really like how this shirt came out. And then there's a, uh, another shirt that was designed by a uh, pal, uh, Josh, um, our uh, McDonald's shirt, but it's the M upside down. And uh, people really, really like that shirt. I feel like that shirt, uh, I see a lot of people wearing that shirt and I think it's funny, <laughs> but, um, I like it too. So maybe you, maybe if you don't have a shirt and you want one, I'm sure Devin will, uh, Devin's the guy, he's the mastermind that takes care of that. So, you know, windley.bigcartel.com. What a sell. Did I sell it good? Did I sell it? Are you convinced to go buy one? Um, and it would help us out. You know, uh, it would help us out because, uh, you know, we're a band and we like to put out music and, uh, you know, sometimes you, uh, need a little bit of that scratch to kind of help move things along a little bit, you know, uh, unless you never want to hear us again, then do not buy the shirt. <laughs> you're just like, ah, oh, don't wait. So you're telling me if I buy a shirt that helps you, uh, put out more music. Oh, fuck. No. Oh, God, no. Jesus. Absolutely not. So that's understandable, too. Uh, whatever. But uh, that is it. I swear to God, that is it. That is all. Follow at Windley underscore band. Follow at Myrtle Beach shows. I'll uh, see you next week. We're going to be doing some. Uh, how about this? A little bit of quack foo. Huh? A little bit of quack foo. Yeah. Yeah. You like that? All right. Goodbye. Goodbye.